0: See, we're taking up all Melvin's time. See, we'll we, see. Hello, my name is Mark Smith. I'm pastor of Riverside Alliance Church. We want to invite you to our Good Friday service, Friday, April the 15th from 6 to 8 o'clock here at 2433 South Main. We hope to see you. Come and join us. and come and celebrate Good Friday evening with us from 6 to 8 p.m.
1: Hi, I'm Eric Francisco. I have the privilege of pastoring at Kingsway Alliance Church. I'm excited to join together for our Good Friday service. I have the privilege of bringing us to the word to focus on the cross of christ and i've been told i only get like an hour or so i think to preach so that's a joke like 15 minutes uh, but i'm excited that we get to join together as one body here in akron and we also get to have the privilege of our our mong brothers and sisters from the akron Hmong alliance church leading us in worship so i hope to see you there and uh, look forward to joining you Hello, I'm David Yoder and I'm pastoring Cross Point Alliance Church and we're on the west side of Akron and I'm looking forward to our Good Friday service where we get to come together as area churches and worship Christ together and remember his death. One of the things that we'll be doing as a unified body is taking up a collection for Adam and Denise Harper. Some of you may know Adam's the pastor at Chapel Hill Alliance Church and his wife Denise has been ill as of November uh, late last year and so we'll be taking up a collection to bless them and provide financial relief to them as a family. So we're looking forward to seeing you there.
0: Hello my name is Pastor Gus Brown. I pastor the Akron Alliance Fellowship over in Akron and we're looking forward to this time of Good Friday service. It's a time of rejoicing, a time of just praising our Lord together, and getting to know one another as the family of God. So we want to invite you to come. We're going to have the... uh first part of the service from 6 to 7 and then from 7 to 8 we've added something. We're going to have a meal together and we don't want to miss you. We want you to be there because we want you to fellowship with the other brothers and sisters in the Lord. So please, if you have that time free, come. Don't sit home and be lazy. Get out and come and have a good meal and good fellowship with us. Praise God. We're here together, but we're looking for you because you're the additional part of our family that we're missing. And we want you to come and fellowship with us. We're going to be here looking for you, so we hope to see you. God bless.
1: Uh, See, Pastor Gus got his broadcasting debut when, um, when our air conditioners were stolen. so he was so now he's gotten a little bit of practice you see as you can. so he pretty soon he'll be looking for his after a sag card you know and uh, that was a beautiful video by the way, that was great. Um, for Jason, I want you to understand that when you when you hear music like that, a great testimony to where music came from it's a gift from God, and that young man is gifted to be able to play that music um, and so I wanted to make sure that he was uh also acknowledged here as well too that was a great thing that he did he he didn't he didn't he was very modest about it he won the competition with that piece see he didn't say that see but I didn't hear him say that but he won the competition with that piece so Uh, Keep praying for that young man uh, as he uh, also determines his path uh, as far as what he will be doing and where he will be going for additional education and all that. And I think with that in mind, I think we can go ahead and proceed uh, with today's message. Today is Palm Sunday. And I wanted to make sure that we acknowledge today is Palm Sunday. In many circles, it's the beginning of Holy Week. Uh, as you know, we have Good Friday service coming this coming Friday. We would like to see everybody come out and join us for that as well. And of course, next Sunday, Pastor Gus will be preaching for Easter Sunday. So we'll keep those things in mind. But as we look at these particular events, as we're discussing that come on the calendar every year, the most important thing for each and every one of us to do is to make sure that we are acknowledging the deity, the Lordship, the majesty of Jesus Christ. And to remain prayerful in your pray without, pray without ceasing. Amen? Pray constantly. Stay in focus. Humble yourself before the Lord and also ask Him ways that you can convey the message of truth to others as well too. All of these things are worthy of our recognition in prayer. Let's go ahead and look to the Lord with a word of prayer right now. Father, thank you for this time that you have given to us to allow us now to quiet ourselves before you. Sit before you. Sit before you in the power of the Holy Spirit that we we learn from you the words, the wisdom, the knowledge that you wish to impart to us. Through the message today where Lord it is not the words that I use but your words that are being spoken Lord bless us as a church we have much to be thankful for even in the midst of times of turmoil and difficulty Lord continue to bless us keep us healthy keep us focused on the direction you would have us to take for you Lord, we're your servants, and we want to be used by you. We thank you, Lord, for all that you're doing. We ask that you bless us now in Jesus' name. Amen. In order to make friends, you need to live in such a manner that promotes an atmosphere of friendship. Well, that's a real dust statement, isn't it? Of course you do. Being a friend to another person requires... Friendly behavior, of course, but being courteous, being polite, and being good-natured. The antithesis of friendliness is to live in a selfish manner or just be outright mean-spirited. In going further on this, your messages to others are best received when there is an underlying calm instead of those delivered with nervousness and tension. You know the difference because you've heard the difference. You know when someone's really uptight and trying to communicate with you. You know when someone's relaxed and peaceful about it. Amen? We know the difference. It's true that words used that are normally perceived as being courteous can have their meaning changed altogether if they're spoken with sarcasm and negativity. Take the same sentence, and then use sarcasm and negativity, like, well, thank you, doesn't sound like you're really being very thankful, does it? Having a positive influence on others requires a peaceful and approachable demeanor. Now, I'm mentioning all this because don't you wish that we could exude this behavior more within the body of Christ? The body of Christ. We need people communicating with each other that's much more friendly, much more courteous. I can't tell you how many times I've heard about churches fighting because it's anything but courteous conversation. But that's supposed to be where? Within what? The body of Christ. Friendliness and love for others is the best way to emulate the character of Of Jesus Christ, the character of Jesus Christ. That's what this message is about, essentially, making sure that we are living in such a way where we are exuding the character of Jesus Christ. Jesus came to earth because he loved his greatest creation. What's his greatest creation, in our opinion? It's us, all of mankind. That's his greatest creation. We're the creation the angels wonder about. Amen? He wanted to reach people and culminate his plan of salvation and create the opportunity for everyone to have fellowship with him for all eternity. How does he do this? He does it with his message of love and peace. Please turn your Bibles and electronic devices to Luke chapter 2. Let's take a look at verses 10 through 14. Some of us have Bibles with paper and some of us have electronic devices. Amen? God's Word is still God's Word. No matter where it comes from, where, no matter where you pick it up, as long as you have it with you, you can't go wrong. Amen? Luke chapter 2, verses 10 through 14. Now, I'm going to read this passage from the New King James Version. Don't use the New King James Version very often, but I like the way it's represented here. And this is a very familiar passage. Then the angel said to them, verse 10, Do not be afraid, for behold, I bring you good tidings of great joy, which will be to all people. Verse 11, For there is born to you this day in the city of David a Savior, which is Christ the Lord. Or who is Christ the Lord? Excuse me. And this will be the sign to you. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes, lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly hosts praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace, goodwill toward men. The very words that are spoken here are telling you that God is a God of peace. Jesus is a God of peace. And you need to recognize that first. He's here to give peace. That's one of the things he gives us. His plan was to bring peace to those persons that recognized him as Lord and Savior. That's what the gospel message is all about. Amen. That's what it's all about. Let's spend some time on the life of Jesus just a week before he rose from the dead after his crucifixion. He was traveling with his disciples to Jerusalem at the culmination of his ministry on earth. One of his comments as he approached Jerusalem, the main city of the Israelites, reflected his love for the Jewish people. He loved them, they are the chosen nation, but at the same time, his frustration with the people because of their inability to recognize who he was to them, their savior of peace. Take a look at Luke 19. Luke chapter 19. And we're going to look at verses 41 and 42. Now, I think I mentioned earlier in Sunday school, this is a very emotional time. This time that Jesus is, well, he knows what's going to happen to him, amen, as part of it, but it's an emotional time because he's giving the indication that time is short with this comment. And we can apply this today as well. The time was short for him to be there on earth. And that time is short in general because we recognize that the last days essentially commenced the moment Jesus rose into heaven. Amen. The ascension. But Luke 19 verses 41 and 42. This is the New Living Translation. But as he came closer to Jerusalem and saw the city ahead, he began to weep. How I wish today that you, of all people, would understand the way to peace. But now it is too late, and peace is hidden from your eyes. Too late. He's referring to the hardened hearts of those who make a decision to not follow the path of peace. And that peace is in Jesus Christ. It should make you wonder how Jesus feels about today's generation of people who have been pulled away from following Jesus and his good news. We've got a lot of people out there today who are deceived terribly by Satan. And Satan has used many different vehicles to deceive the masses. And that includes people of our own color. Greatly deceived. While Jesus can do anything, he does not force anyone to accept his teachings. He doesn't force you to do anything. He doesn't make you do anything. You have to remember a lot of people were protesting or or giving Christians a hard time. All you're doing is just uh, proselytizing, talking talk about Jesus, yeah. But it's up to the hearer to make a decision. It must be tough for Jesus to look upon people who choose to live under their own desires. Please consider this as you think of others who are living in this manner. You know someone in this situation right now. Amen? You know at least one person who's living in this manner right now. You need to pray for those people. Pray for them. Our desire as believers should be what? To see them celebrate with us and recognize how Jesus conquered sin and death for us. We want to celebrate with them. You don't want them left out of a celebration like that. Pray for them. Time is short. Now, Jesus Christ's entry into Jerusalem, of course, is what we recognize today as our celebration of Palm Sunday. This is what it's referring to. It was a day of great celebration for the people who acknowledged Jesus as the long-awaited Messiah, the Savior of their people. These are the ones whose hearts were not hardened. They were ready for Jesus, and they wanted to celebrate who he was. Now, at the same time, we're reminded that Jesus lamented over those who chose to ignore him as the Messiah. They were afflicted with spiritual blindness. There are many around us that are afflicted with spiritual blindness. How does that happen? They get caught up in other things that have nothing to do with following Jesus. Politics is much more important. Your own personal well-being is more important. It can make you spiritually blind. Isaiah had already made the same declaration about Israel during his prophecy of Jesus' coming. Go to Isaiah 42. Let's take a look at verses 18 through 22. Understand something. The Bible is giving us information that's helpful for us to understand the nature and the deity of Jesus. Now, Isaiah is writing based upon what? The Spirit gave to him to write. Amen? Because he has no clue or concept about who this Savior is. And yet here come the words as inspired by God. Verse 18, Isaiah 42. Listen, you who are deaf, look and see you blind. Verse 19, who is as blind as my own people, my servant? Who is as deaf as my messenger? Who is as blind as my chosen people, the servant of the Lord? You see and recognize what is right, but they refuse to act on it. You hear with your ears, but you don't really listen. Because he is righteous, the Lord has exalted his glorious law. But his own people have been robbed and plundered, enslaved, imprisoned, and trapped. They are fair game for anyone, and have no one to protect them, no one to take them back home. Do you understand the lostness of those people who have spiritual blindness? These things being described in verses twenty-two, in, in verse twenty-two, being robbed and plundered, enslaved, a slave to what? To sin imprisoned, trapped. That's what lostness reflects. Many are going to hear about the truth of Jesus, but just choose not to listen. Amen? Amen? We don't like to say that, but that's exactly the truth. They're going to choose not to listen. As we love Jesus, He gives us a heart for those to remember those people who are spiritually blind. Do you have a heart to see people come to know Jesus? You should. Because that's the heart of Jesus. He does not want anyone to miss out on eternity with Him. That's the heart you should have for the lost. Pray for them. Stay in prayer for them as we humble ourselves before Jesus. Because Lord knows there are moments we need to humble ourselves right before Him. Amen? The times that we live in dictate we must be humble before the Lord as we pray for others. Let's note the words of Jesus to the physically blind man who had previously spoken to the Pharisees about Jesus' healing power and the response of the Pharisees. It's one of my favorite passages, John chapter 9, go to John 9, and we're going to look at a few verses, verses 35 through 41. John 9, verses 35 through 41. Now, this is right after the, the blind man who was now, now could see was speaking to the Pharisees, and they threw him out, <laughs> basically threw him out on his ear because they didn't want to really listen to him anymore about how they were being ridiculously foolish about who Jesus was. So verse 35, Jesus heard that they had cast him out, and having found him, he said, Do you believe in the Son of Man? Verse 36, he answered, and who is is he, sir, that I may believe in him? Jesus said to him, you have seen him, and it is he who is speaking to you. He said, Lord, I believe, and he worshiped him. Amen. Then verse 39, Jesus said, for judgment I came into this world that those who do not see may see. And those who see may become blind. let's not double speak. Let's look at this. Some of the Pharisees near him heard these things. And of course Jesus wanted them to hear this. And said to him, are we also blind? Jesus said to them, if you were blind, you would have no guilt. But now that you say we see, your guilt remains. Why? Because they were lying. They were lying about Their relationship with Jesus. Your guilt remains. They're in sin. Despite Israel's continual inability to maintain a relationship with God. All throughout their history as you look in the Bible. And even see the true Messiah with their very eyes. Jesus still declared love for his people. No matter how hard-headed or stiff-necked or attitudinal those people were, Jesus still loved them. And I thank the Lord that he still loves us. Because guess what? We are the most hard-headed, stiff-necked folks with attitude problems you've ever seen. Amen? Amen. Let's talk. Hey, come on now. Sometimes we are just out and out nutcases with attitude problems. And yet Jesus loves us anyway. Amen? All right. He came to them in peace because he knew that those who would follow him, those who believed in him, would carry forth his message of peace. He also knew that those who would not accept him would cause division. I like this statement that's coming up in Luke chapter 12. Go to Luke 12, verses 49 through 54. Now, understand something. When you show up in a room somewhere, and here you are, and you have this countenance about you that says you know the Lord Jesus Christ, well, some people are going to be drawn and attracted to that. And some people are going to say, uh-oh, maybe I better stay clear of him or her because there's something about the presence of Jesus Christ that starts to draw lines. It draws lines. Look at what it says in Luke twelve forty nine. This is Jesus speaking. I have come to set the world on fire, and I wish it were already burning. I have a terrible baptism of suffering ahead of me, And I am under a heavy burden until it is accomplished. Do you think I have come to bring peace to the earth? No, I have come to divide people against each other. From now on, families will be split apart, three in favor of me and two against, or two in favor and three against. Father will be divided against son and son against father, mother against daughter and daughter against mother and mother-in-law against daughter-in-law, and daughter-in-law against mother-in-law. Then Jesus turned to the crowd and said, When you see clouds beginning to form in the west, you say, Here comes a shower, and you are right. In other words, what you see is very obvious. It's going to happen. It's going to come. Now understand something. Of course, this prophecy, because essentially this is truth. Look at the world today. You have families that are splintered because of Jesus Christ. They're splintered. Some believe and some don't believe, and I love the words in verse forty-nine. I have come to set the world on fire. There's a gentleman that we uh, see at uh, First Watch every Sunday. He's uh, one of the guys who's a, a server, and he says, "I'm. I hope you can spread hope like." Love that phrase. We as believers in Jesus Christ need to spread hope like fire. What does fire do? It burns, it consumes. There is very little left after a fire. And you want to spread that fire. And Jesus is telling us, He's not contradicting Himself when He says He comes with peace, to bring peace. He also comes to set the record straight and for people to say either I'm on board with it or I'm not. He's still a Jesus of peace. But what does peace do? It talks about truth. And when you talk about truth, now you're looking at how do you respond to truth. Remember, he doesn't force anyone to believe it. He leaves it up to you. Can you see where the message of Jesus will attract those who love him and repel those who love themselves more? Did you get that? The message of Jesus will attract those who love him but repel those who love themselves more. If you love yourself more than you love Jesus, you're not going to Jesus. Amen? You just won't. Jesus came to us in peace, but the results of his ministry were anything but peaceful. We recognize the results. He reached many people with his message of peace beyond human understanding. Philippians 4, verses 6 and 7. Do not be anxious about anything. But in everything, by prayer and supplication. Prayer and supplication. With thanksgiving, let your requests be made known to God. And the peace of God, the peace of God, which surpasses all understanding, will guard your hearts and your minds in Christ Jesus. The peace of God. Jesus came in peace. Jesus also brought change that stirred the people towards a true worship and fellowship with God, much to the consternation of the Jewish religious leadership. And let's go to Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11, because this is going to take us into the area where Jesus is approaching Jerusalem with the disciples. Matthew chapter 21, verses 1 through 11. This is the English Standard Version. Please follow along in your version. Verse 1, chapter 21 of Matthew. Now when they drew near to Jerusalem and came to Bethpage to the Mount of Olives, then Jesus sent two disciples, saying to them, Go into the village in front of you, and immediately you will find a donkey tied and a colt with her. Untie them and bring them to me. Verse three: If anyone says anything to you, you so say, you, you shall say, the Lord needs them, and He will send them at once. This took place to fulfill what was spoken by the prophet, saying, "Say to the daughter of Zion, Behold, your king is coming to you, humble and mounted on a donkey, on a colt, the foal of a beast of burden." Now this was prophecy. You'll find this passage combination in Isaiah 62:11. And Zechariah 9, 9. The whole thing about being humble, coming on a colt. Then let's go back to verse 6, Matthew 21. The disciples went and did as Jesus had directed them. They brought the donkey and the colt and put them on them, their cloaks, and he sat on them. Most of the crowd spread their cloaks on the road, and the others cut branches from the trees and spread them on the road. And the crowds that went before him, that, that followed him, and that followed him, were shouting, Hosanna to the son of David. Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Hosanna in the highest. And when he entered Jerusalem, the whole city was stirred up saying, Who is this? And the crowd said, This is the prophet Jesus from Nazareth of Galilee. Now, in reference to Palm Sunday, there's a lot of symbolism in this passage that you need to see several items to consider. First of all, the donkey. The donkey. Jesus chose the donkey because it was a humble way to enter the city. In Eastern tradition, the donkey was an animal of peace. Peace. Most kings or noblemen used horses in the day which symbolize a declaration or presence of war. The exact opposite. The donkey was more of a communication that Jesus came in peace with a message of peace. He came as the prince of peace. The prince of peace. Isaiah 9, 6 says, For to us a child is born, to to us a son is given, And the government shall be upon his shoulder, and his name shall be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Everlasting Father, Prince of Peace. The second thing to look at here is the clothing and the palm branches. And what's the significance of the clothing and the palm branches? In many lands in the ancient eastern region, it was customary to cover the path of someone who was worthy of honor. What is the purpose of those red carpet things that you guys have been exposed to? What, the red carpet thing is supposed to give honor to the people who are nominated for awards, academy award, whatever it is. The red carpet treatment is what we call it, right? Well, that's what that's for. It's to cover, to give honor to the people who are being recognized. And back in eastern, the ancient Eastern religion, it was region, it was the same way. They basically covered the path, someone who was worthy of honor. This honor was bestowed upon Jehu, son of Jehoshaphat, in 2 Kings 9.13. Now, in Jesus' case, there were people putting their clothing on the ground, along with cut palm branches. Palm Sunday. Not the palm of my hand, the palm of the tree. Amen? Okay, and there was an existing Jewish tradition, the Feast of the Tabernacles, that involved the use of palm branches as part of the celebration. That's in Leviticus 2340. Now, listen to this. In Greco-Roman culture of the Roman Empire, the palm branch was also viewed as a symbol of victory and triumph. When we talk about Jesus, what do we say? He has what? The victory. He has the victory. In ancient Egyptian religion, the palm was carried in funeral processions as a representation of eternal life. Eternal life. It later became a symbol of Christian martyrdom as a symbol of spiritual victory over death. Take a look at Revelation chapter 7, please. Revelation 7, we're going to look at verses 9 and 10. It's going to give us another significant use of palm branches. Victory, triumph, eternal life. Revelation 7, verse 9. After this I looked, and behold, a great multitude that no one could number from every nation There is a day coming when those who believe in Jesus as Lord and Savior will be in that multitude. Shouting in celebration. You won't feel like doing anything else but celebrating. Because you're in the place that Jesus would have you to be. It's only the love of Jesus Christ that gives us the heart and mind, number one, to humble ourselves before him, but also to pray for the lost. Pray for those people in your life, in your family, your co-workers that do not know the Lord Jesus Christ. Palm Sunday is a message of celebration, but it's also a message of hope for those who need to decide whether or not they choose to follow Jesus. It's a message of hope, too. Remember, not everybody that saw Jesus that day when he made his triumphal entry into Jerusalem, not everyone chose to follow him. And there's evidence all over the place about Jesus and the presence of God and nature and all that. And there are people who just choose to say, eh. What I've got going on is much more important. Pray for those people. Pray for them. Jesus entered that city with humility. He was sitting on a donkey. And the people responded to him as royalty. Imagine his presence with the showering of clothing and palms with the joyous shouts of the people. What a glorious moment it must have been for the people. Amen? That's the way it's described. You know when someone's enthusiastic. You've been to football crowds. You've watched all kinds of things happen. People sure know how to get up and holler then. If they're not drunk doing it. Amen? But you know how to holler. Can you imagine a celebration like this? And he was the reason for the celebration. Let's talk about the word Hosanna. Hosanna was used in the passage. Hosanna comes from the use of similar words in both Greek and Hebrew to mean save or rescue. Probably the word Savior. That's Hosanna. Take a look at Mark chapter 11. Let's look at another passage that also refers to this triumphal entry into Jerusalem. Mark 11 verses 8 through 10. Mark 11 verses 8 through 10. This is the Christian Standard Bible version. Many people spread their clothes on the road and others spread leafy branches cut from the fields. Those who went ahead and those who followed shouted, Hosanna! Blessed is he who comes in the name of the Lord. Blessed is the coming kingdom of our father David. Hosanna in the highest heaven. The people who saw Jesus were making a public declaration with a loud shout. They weren't whispering, Santa. Santa. now I could yell really loud if I wanted to I'm not going to do that amen <laughs> that wasn't funny but amen I don't need to yell I, because my wife has heard me yell and um, I've heard her yell too But, but I'm a little bit louder But when you're shouting with joy and gladness, when you get good news, you can't be restrained. And that's exactly what Hosanna represents. These people were all shouting. They were shouting because he is the Messiah. He's the one who brought salvation to their people. Now John the Baptist declared that he was the Lamb of God who takes away the sins of the world. They would remember these things. That were being said. And it would be less than a week from that time when Jesus would sacrifice himself to atone for the sins of the people. All people, past, present, and future. He was a lamb without blemish who was slain for all of us. John chapter 3, verses 16 and 17 tell you why jesus is here before god so loved the world he gave his only son that whoever believes in him should not perish but have eternal life the very things we've just talked about verse 17 for god did not send his son into the world to condemn the world but in order that the world might be saved through him because he was a god of peace when we look at palm sunday The traditional beginning of Holy Week. Let us remember the significance of the events of Jesus' triumphal entry into Jerusalem. The very nature of who Jesus is to each of us and how much he gave to us. Jesus gave to us. He gave for us. Amen? Amen? gave for us. He loves us unconditionally. He loves his people unconditionally. Now I understand something. He's responsible for our acceptance of, you know, asking for forgiveness and he gives it back to us. Because we alone, we cannot take care of our sin. He loves us without condition. If we ask for forgiveness, he is faithful and just to forgive us of our sins and cleanse us with his righteousness with his righteousness Jesus is an example of humility humble yourself before the Lord and you will be exalted amen humble yourself before the Lord you will be exalted he shows us how to be humble He shows us his deity as king of kings and lord of lords. Why? Because there were palms and clothes that were just laid out for him. We need to see that and understand what that is. He is king of kings and lord of lords. The representation of eternal life came from the palm branches being spread. Eternal life the very branches that you're going to be holding on to as the great multitude gets together. His presence of peace surpasses all human understanding. In a world when things are going crazy, isn't it wonderful that God still gives us peace to get through this crazy world that we're in? Amen. It's beyond human understanding. And yet he gives it to us. Jesus gives. He gave and he continues to give to us. Let's take a look at John chapter 14, verse 27. Now I'm going to be reading John 14, 27. I'm actually going to read a passage from the Amplified Bible because I love how the Amplified Bible captures what is being said for us to understand. John 14, 27. Peace I leave with you. My perfect is in brackets. Peace I give to you. The perfect part is part of the Amplified Version. Because it is his perfect peace. My perfect peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give to you. Do not let your heart be troubled, nor let it be afraid. Now your verse probably ends there. The Amplified Version says, Let my perfect peace calm you in every circumstance and give you courage and strength for every challenge. That's the peace that Jesus is giving to you. He said, does what? Calms you in every circumstance. Now, every is a very uh, inclusive word, right? It means anything and everything. Jesus is going to calm you in every situation and circumstance and give you courage and strength to get through those things. That's the peace of Jesus. And we don't understand it. And we can't begin to understand it. But yet, boy, do we relish in that peace when it's present. It's a peace that says, I'm not going to give this back. I'll take it readily right now. That's the peace we're talking about. In a few short days after Jesus's entry, the joyful celebration experience that day would be a distant memory because of the shocking development when Jesus went to the cross. No one at that time would understand why it happened or that it even had to happen the way it did. But we all know today that it had to happen for him to be the atonement for our sins. It had to happen. From the very beginning, Jesus knew what he had to do. And when I say the beginning, I mean the beginning. Genesis beginning. He knew. His holiness through the sacrificial blood of Christ covers our sins. He came to earth to go to the cross to save his people. Amen. 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 Please don't hesitate to focus on the love of Jesus and for those who are still on the fence as to their own personal relationship with him. Your fervent and consistent prayers are powerful. Don't just pray on Sunday. Pray every day and pray all day and even pray when you're in bed at night and you're wide awake. Amen? Amen. You have to develop a life of prayer. It takes practice. But I'd like to believe that as the Spirit is working within you and speaking to you, your prayers are going to be very powerful and effective because you know how to pray and you know when to pray and you take that discernment that God gives you and just go for it. Just go for it. Please go to James 5, 16. That'll be, we'll be wrapping this up. James chapter 5, verse 16. James 5, verse 16. Verse 16, James 5. Therefore, confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. Notice how it starts with you starts with you. Confess your sins to one another and pray for one another that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person has great power as it is working. That's the English Standard Version. Great power. Not just power. Great power. May we treat prayer in the same manner that we believe it has great power. And we live as people who are servants of Jesus Christ. It was his plan from the very beginning. Jesus loved us then. He loves us now. Amen? His love for each one of us is eternal. He is worthy of our celebration for everything he has done for us. Hosanna in the highest. Amen? That's his lot of I Father, thank you for this time that you show us that Jesus is indeed the Prince of Peace. He comes to share his message, and Lord, we know that the result of that sharing of the message will not always bring people to you. Sometimes they will push people away. But we recognize, Lord, that you desire for everyone to hear the truth and We know that Satan is very busy today who does not want people to understand the words that are being used. To believe that there is only one way to recognize eternal life. We pray, Lord, that Satan be restrained. That we deny him. That we tell him to get behind us when it comes to our relationship with you and the relationship that others may have with you. We pray, Lord, because we understand that you already have the victory. You already have the knowledge and understanding of those who have hearts for you. We pray, Lord, that you break through the strongholds those people who choose to resist, those people who still don't believe, those people still who still don't trust. We pray, Lord, that you continue to give us the mindset to pray openly and even quietly before you about those people who don't know you. Lord, we want to celebrate with those people when you do return. We thank you for your answers to prayer. We thank you for how you love us. Thank you for what you're doing in our lives and thank you for allowing us to be ministers on your behalf. We give you praise and thanks and we ask all these things in Jesus' name. Amen.